Hey there, everybody, and before we begin today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to remember an absolute icon, a legend, and someone who, when I heard of his passing, I mean, it wasn't surprising, but at the same time, just kind of kicks you square in the gut, and that was the passing of Sir Sean Connery. Um, He is known as probably one of the most famous of the... um, renditions of James Bond, Bond, James Bond, 007. He is like, you think of James Bond and that's, that's the guy, that's the dude. Now, not to take anything away from the other actors, but they weren't Sean Connery. Sean Connery was just the mix of suave and just awesome. I remember him from movies like Indiana Jones, where he played Indiana Jones's father, which was hilarious. Um, The Rock, one of my favorite movies, that that hands down is one of my favorite movies of all time, The Rock, with him and Nicolas Cage, where they um, have to lead a team of Navy SEALs back onto Alcatraz that's been taken captive, and it's just an amazing, amazing movie. And uh, I could watch it over and over and over again. It's just fantastic. He was King Arthur in First Night. He was King Richard in um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uncredited. He just kind of showed up. He was in A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He was in The Avengers, not the Marvel Avengers, but the other Avengers. Um, Just so many movies to his credit. Just, oh my gosh, The Untouchables. The Untouchables, he was amazing. Uh, Just his his way of speaking, his way of acting, his his just... I mean, there's been SNL skits done with him with... um, Sean Connery on Jeopardy, which are classic. You got to go back and watch it. Um, of uh, I think it was John Hammond doing uh, doing his impersonation of Sean Connery, and it is hilarious. But all that to say, just an absolute legend of film and of the big screen, and someone that will be sorely missed. So raise a glass to. Sir Sean Connery on his passing on Halloween of all of all days in 2020 of all years. He was 90 years old. We will miss you, sir. What is up, my Wex Appeal podcast friends? It is Wex here. Barbells, Beats, and Buffoonery in full effect for episode number five. I am so happy that you joined us today, and I am super excited about the things that are coming. Now, it's been a week. It has been crazy. So last time we were here, we talked about the CrossFit Games. We had a bonus episode where me and Tom Taylor cut it up about who was going to win, who was going to place, where everything was going to, how it was all going to shake out. And it was an incredible competition. I hope that you got to watch it. If you didn't, you can always go back to YouTube, watch it. But watch it in order. If you don't know anything about CrossFit, go watch Event 1 all the way through Event 12. And you can pick it up on YouTube and watch it. Well worth your time to kind of see what this whole thing is about. If you don't know what CrossFit is, just watch the professionals do it. I am in no way, shape, or form a professional and cannot perform anywhere near as well as they did. They were freaking incredible. So, we got that on deck. We've got some big announcements and some big things that we're going to talk about later. But before we begin the episode, I've got to tell you about Duke Cannon. 
Supply Company. They are the absolute best place to get soap. I don't care if you're a guy, girl. I mean, this soap is legit. Now, what am I going to tell you about today? I want to tell you about the limited edition U.S. military soap set. Now, this is probably one of the coolest sets I've ever seen. You can send it as a gift. You can keep it for yourself. But here is what it comes in, okay? Now, while other gift sets are going to give you, you know, a goofy little loofah or some, you know, misty body spray or things like that, no, they don't, they cut straight to the chase, okay? Duke Cannon Military Set, they have five different big bricks of soap, including their best smelling, and my personal favorite, the Big American Bourbon Soap made with Buffalo Trace. Yes, you heard me correctly. It's made with Buffalo Trace bourbon. It, it's, it's just an awesome smelling soap. And you get four others as well, which I'm going to tell you about. But it, it comes as a gift set in an authentic military field box used to carry 30 caliber ammunition. Yes, it's an ammo can. Now, these cans, they're reusable. They're watertight. They make for great hunting, camping, storage cans. Or they are absolutely the best lunch pail ever. Imagine walking into your office, dropping that on your desk, ammo can, popping it open and eating your yogurt or, you know granola or whatever you have in there, ham sandwich, beef jerky, whatever. You can put whatever you want in there. It's airtight. It's set. It's good. And it looks awesome. Now, these ammo cans are in used condition. They're legit. They're the real thing. If this is not just some, you know, ploy. This isn't just some, you know, stupid little box they give you to put your soap in. No, this is a legit ammo can. It's been used. They're going to have dents. They're going to have scratches because they're legit. Each can contains, now you get four, actually you get five big ass bricks of soap. The first one is Victory. Yes, the name is called Victory. And it's the fresh scent with a hint of grass is what it smells like. I mean, who doesn't like a freshly mowed yard? The next one is Naval Supremacy, which is their aquamarine scent, which I use that. That was actually the first one that I tried. Great scent. I love it. Then you get Productivity. Yes, the name is called Productivity, and it is a mint scent with a hint of menthol. If you've ever used that kind of soap, oh man, it feels so good when you use it. You just feel super clean and super fresh. Then you get the Big Ass Beer Soap, which has a woodsy sandalwood scent. And then, of course, I've already talked about the Big American Bourbon Soap, which is an oak barrel scent. It's a, a rich and woodsy scent. I love that one. Other things to know. And this is the most important thing. They are 100% made in the USA. A portion of the proceeds benefits veterans. And this gift set is only as good as its weakest item. That's why they packed it full of winners. That's right. Everything in there is a winner, including the case that they pack it in. So go over to DukeCannon.com. Get on there. Purchase a gift. You can get this gift set or anything else. Make sure you enter the podcast of this episode code, which is BBWEX5, all caps, B-B-W-E-X and the number five to get yourself 10% off your first order and get yourself hooked up with some awesome soap. Now, what do we have going on today? Let's get into it and we're going to talk about the CrossFit Games. Oh man, so we're back and we, I watched the CrossFit Games last week and I, listen, I blocked off Friday, Saturday and Sunday. For the most part, I didn't go anywhere. I just sat around and I watched CrossFit Games for multiple hours of the day because 
I just, I love the CrossFit Games. It is my favorite time of the year. Now, I've said it before. I was I was super bummed this year. It, it kind of, it, it was a little bittersweet because as you know, if you listen to the last episode, our, our bonus episode where me and Tom, you know, cut it up about the CrossFit Games, it's a little bit different than it normally is. Normally there are anywhere from 40 to 130 athletes that show up on the men's and women's side. So you get a lot of athletes and they compete all weekend doing close to 15 different events to crown the the fittest man and fittest woman on the earth. Also, at the CrossFit Games, they, they crown the fittest team, teen, T-E-E-N, and masters. So, I mean, it is a all-week event when it is at Madison, Wisconsin. And they need a lot of volunteers. In the past two years, I've had the honor and privilege of being able to volunteer at the CrossFit Games. And it's been amazing. I take the time every year to go and do it now, and I love it. I'll do it next year if they have it in Madison again and I, and they open it up to volunteers, which I hope that they do. I hope we're over this whole COVID thing super soon. I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but I really hope it's tied to the election. So on <laughs> when the election happens and the world implodes, COVID might be just an afterthought. Again, conspiracy theory. Can't can't say that it is or isn't. It's just my own, my own personal hope. But anyways, I digress. So the CrossFit Games were last weekend. They started on Friday the 23rd and ended on the 25th of October. And I blocked off my whole time, like I said, to watch the CrossFit Games. And it did not disappoint. Now, some things that I said in the podcast with Tom. My top three and the ones that I picked on the men's side were Matt Fraser, Noah Olson. Actually, sorry, Matt Fraser, Justin Medeiros in second, Noah Olson in third, Jeffrey Adler in fourth, Sam Quant in fifth. Yeah, kind of got me on that one. I got bit. Um, we'll talk about that. And then on the women's side, I had Tia winning. Then I had Haley Adams in second, Katrin Davis' daughter in third, um, Brooke Wells in fourth, and Carrie Pierce in fifth. Which, come to think of it, funny thing about that, and I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. Um, so my placement, so I got two of the podiums right on both sides. And one person kind of snuck in and surprised me and proved me wrong on all fronts. But going back over the CrossFit Games, man, right out of the gate, Matt Fraser, man on a mission, the killer instinct. Like, you take any sports analogy you want to of somebody in the clutch who just comes out and performs. There were 12 events over the weekend. He won 10 of them. And the two that he didn't win, he got second dominant the absolute most dominant performance i've ever seen of any athlete in any sport anywhere it was phenomenal even when he failed a rep on the first event you weren't worried because he was just he was so dominant from the beginning he would get pushed everybody would take their shot at him um justin medeiros the rookie comes out guns blazing and gets pretty close to him i think he was only like 10 or 15 seconds behind him in the first in the first event but came out guns blazing, did an amazing job. Um, but just event after event after event, it just looked like everybody was taking their shot and missing. And Matt Fraser just meh, looked like it was just another day in the office. Um, even so, I mean, he did, let's see. So the, the very first event was um, 2007 Reloaded, which was a take off of 2007, the very first event the CrossFit Games ever had, which at the time was a 1,000-meter row. 
um, 25, and then, so you did a thousand meter row buy-in and then you did five rounds of 25 pull-ups and seven shoulder to overhead. And I think the weight was 135.95, uh, 135 for the guys, 95 for the girls. This year they bumped it up because it's harder. They did a 1500 meter row. So 500 more meters on the rower. Then they did 25 muscle ups. So if you don't know what that is, that's when basically you start in a hang position and you pull yourself all the way up until you're in a upright um, dip position. So basically the bars at, at your hip and your, your arms are locked out and you're over the bar. Do 25 of those and then you come down and you pick up a 235 pound bar, which was 100 pounds heavier than the bar that they used originally. And they just demolished it. In fact, Matt Fraser's time was the exact same time to do harder work as the winner of the very first CrossFit Games event back in the day. They had the exact same time. It was incredible. So um, Noah Olson came out super hot, faded off, ended up finishing like fifth. Justin Medeiros, the rookie, comes out, crushes it, gets really close to Matt Fraser. And then Jeffrey Adler and Sam Quant, they, they kind of battle back and forth. The cool thing about everybody but Fraser is that I think every single event, each one of them jockeyed into a different place. So they did the corn, the corn sack sprint up the hill. Again, Matt Fraser wins. Everybody else is all over the map as far as their placements. So their placements change. They do the um, CrossFit total, which is three attempts to get your best back squat, best strict press or military press, and best deadlift. You have three attempts at each lift. Matt Fraser probably could have won that one too, but I think he didn't know what uh, Jeffrey Adler was doing on his weight, and he ended up missing it by a little bit. But he got a very close second place. Very strong effort. Crushed everybody else. So he was the only one that after the first event, he put on the leader jersey, and then he didn't have to think about what he had to wear the rest of the week because they wear their white shirt, red shorts, and that's what he wore the rest of the time. Him and Tia both just crushed it. Once they got into first place, they never gave it up the whole weekend. Tia, just as dominant. Now, she didn't win the 10 events out of 12, but she won nine of them. Um, had a little bit of trouble on like the handstand sprint. They had to sprint 100 yards on their hands. So they did a handstand walk for 100 yards, so an entire football field. Matt went 90 yards before he stopped, kicked down, looked around, kicked back up and went the last 10 to win the thing. Just crushed it. Brooke Wells, just as dominant in that one. She went 70 yards before she kicked down. And even then she said after, I think, I think after the interview, she's like, I could have gone the whole way. I just didn't want, I didn't know where everybody was at. And I wanted to make sure, you know, I was, I was being smart and didn't go to failure. But I mean, just some amazing performances, but nobody from two through five was in the same position after every event. Like it, it changed every single event. And because of the way that the point spreads were, you could go from fifth to second in one event. Like it was crazy. So the excitement was there, except for the fact that you you knew your winners right off the bat. And everybody called it. They were going to win Matt winning his fifth in a row, which is the first male to ever win, win five um, championships back to back to back to back to back, back to back to back back yeah like first first guy to ever win five 
Rich Froning had won four. He had tied him last year. And then Tia is the only woman to ever win three, and now she's the only woman woman to ever wear, win four. And we say consecutive because nobody's done, you know, one, lost, one. She's won four consecutive, first woman to ever do it, and they are the most dominant people in CrossFit. Hands down, as long as they want to win, they will win. But some of the key takeaways and, and some of the things that I, I thought interesting, and I've heard some people talk about it, and I have heard some people not talk about it enough. Um, one of the biggest things, and, and one of the things I found super cool, is that the very last event, they talked about it being the hardest event ever done at the CrossFit Games. So hard that throughout the event, they warned everyone because CrossFitters are dumb when we come to workouts like this. We're like, oh, that looks fun. I'm going to try that. No, this is a don't try this at home. These are professionals. Don't do this. You're dumb if you try it. And I've already seen people try it, coming back with bloody hands and all this craziness. This workout is designed for the elite. Hands down. That's who it's for. It's for an elite athlete. It's not for your everyday, you know, just go work out for an hour a day, blah, blah, blah guy. No, you have to be serious about the sport and put in the time to be a master at your craft to even earn the right to attempt this event. Anyway, so the event was at Atlanta. little history on Atlanta. If you were listening to our podcast, um, you know, she was, her father wanted a son she was born, and he left her on top of a mountain to die. She was raised and, and nursed by a bear, by a she-bear, and she could beat pretty much anybody. Like, the story is cool, like Greek mythology and all that sort of thing. But the workout itself was just as tough, and you might as well have been left on a mountain to die. It was a hybrid of sorts. They took the hero workout of Murph, which if you know what, if you haven't seen the movie Lone Survivor, go see it because that talks all about Michael Murphy and how he died and how he died a hero. But this workout is basically the staple of any CrossFit gym. It is the hero workout of all hero workouts. It's a one mile run followed by 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and a one mile run with a 20 pound weight vest. It's tough. I do it every year. Uh, my goal is to get under an hour. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm not quite there, but I'm getting better. My pull-ups are a lot better now than they ever were. So I'm looking forward to the next time that we do this. But so they took Murph. They took the middle part out of it. So you've still got your one mile run at the front and one mile run at the back with a 20 pound weight vest. But in the middle, they took a workout called Mary. Now you can do Murph a couple different ways. One of the ways that people do the 100, 200, 300 is they break it up. And the way that they break it up is they do five, um, five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats, 20 times to hit your numbers. There's a workout called Mary where you do five handstand push-ups, 10 pistols, which is a one-legged squat. You alternate going on one leg, squatting below parallel and standing back up. Um, you do five, so you do five handstand push-ups, you do um, 10 alternating single leg squats or, or pistols, and then you do 15 pull-ups, and that's Mary. And you do that as many times as you can in 20 minutes. So what they did is they, they 
kind of morphed those two together. So now you have a one mile run with a weight vest. You come in and you do a 100 handstand pushups on partition. So you have to do 100, 100 handstand pushups before you go to the next thing. Then you do 200 single leg squats, which are also, like I said, called pistols, and then 300 pull ups. All with a weighted vest on. So you got a 20 pound weighted vest for the guys, 14 pound weighted vest for the ladies. And then once you're done with all that, you go back out on the road and you run another mile. And it's also in outdoors. This this workout was outdoors. So you add the heat element to it. And the fact that 300 pull-ups is going to shred most people's hands, which it did shred a, a few of the people's hands. It was a grueling, just nasty workout. What I found telling, the most telling of all from the whole weekend, and, and like I said, Matt and Tia absolute monsters they were dominant through the whole thing but what i found the most telling is that in the last event the way that they had it set up they had the guys and the girls go together and they put matt and tia next to each other in the center of these 10 athletes and then you know you got matt and then you got all the five guys out to the out to the right you've got tia or i'm sorry you got matt on the left on the left and you got all the five guys out to the left and you got Tia right next to Matt, the five girls out to the right. But Matt and Tia are working out together. Three, two, one, go. They start the run. And they're just hanging out in the back of the pack. There's eight athletes in front of them. They are not worried. They've already sewed it up. They were already they were already champs. All they had to do was just complete the workout. So they were not rushing. They were not trying to win any speed records. Just nice and steady. Moving right along. They all come back in from the run. Um, Carrie Pierce jumped out to a crazy lead, and she's going. Haley Adams, Katrin, they're just, they, they go. Matt and Tia come in, and they kind of look at each other, and they're, they're just going to do this thing like a partner workout. So they both kick up on the wall at the same time. They do five handstand push-ups, and they stop. Kick down, shake their arms, go back up, and they do it synchronized all at the same time. They get done with 100 handstand push-ups. Not rushing. They turn around, they walk over to the part where they're going to do pistols. Matt walks over and grabs his hat that that he was wearing because of the sun. Like I said, it's outdoors. He wants to protect his head. Takes his hat, walks over to the cooler, scoops a whole bunch of ice out, puts it in his hat, puts the hat on top of his head so he's got some nice cooling ice on top of his head. He's just not, not in a hurry. He doesn't have to. He's won the whole thing. No big deal. They do five or ten pistols, break, Five or ten pistols break, five or ten percent. They got to do 200 of them, so there's a good amount of them. He does like 50 or 100 of them, walks back over, gets more ice, puts it in the puts it in the hat, and Tia's doing the same thing. Just taking their good sweet time. No rush. Nowhere to, nowhere to be, nowhere to go. They've already won. Um, meanwhile, everybody else is battling for position. I mean, they, they have podium spots on the line. We're talking, you know, thousands of dollars up for grabs for second through fifth. And everybody has an opportunity to, to podium. So they are going at it. They are just crushing, trying to get us through it as fast as they can. Meanwhile, Matt and Tia just doo -doo -doo, walking right through it. So Noah gets ahead. He gets he gets to the pull-ups. He's doing the pull-ups. Matt and Tia just steady as they go. They go through the pull-ups. Easy enough. And then Tia starts catching some of the ladies. Obviously Matt right there with her. Because Carrie was way out front. And then Haley Adams and Katrin were in front of them. And then Noah 
So they're going. They start catching some of the ladies. And, like, again, not rushing. Carrie goes out and runs. Um, Haley Adams tore her hands open. And it looked, I mean, it was looked so painful. And I, I know it was painful. Her hands were bleeding everywhere, and she was still doing pull-ups. The grit and determination on that girl is amazing. But Matt and Tia just taking it easy. They um, they get done with their pull-ups. I think Katrin, Noah, and Carrie were all out on the out on the course. So Matt gets done. He goes to run. Tia's like like took a second to get off the bar and like get something or whatever. And he just stops, turns around, just just waiting on her. He's like, you know, whenever you're ready, let's go. Again, they're not rushing. They're not trying to you know sprint the last mile or or finish and set the best time or set a world record. Just steady. They get out there on the run. They're running, and all of a sudden, like they they are panning back and forth with the cameras. And they go to the, the girls who are still finishing, the guys who are still trying to finish. And then they pan back over to uh, Matt and Tia. And all of a sudden, they're in front of Noah Olsen. And gaining on everybody. And they end up finishing. So Carrie finishes. Carrie Pierce finishes an amazing, amazing effort from Carrie Pierce to get herself on the podium and be the first woman from America on the podium since 2014 and Julie Fouché amazing effort i didn't i had her i had her fifth i doubted her she proved me wrong she did an incredible performance in the last one to to get herself on the podium katrin david's daughter same like put in an amazing performance she comes in finishes gets second place overall from the whole competition behind tia and again one of the the one of the most winningest and best athletes on the Mount Rushmore of CrossFit ladies. She is definitely up there. Uh, two-time champion. Um, top five the last six years. Just incredible. Then you got Matt and Tia. They pass Noah. They finish. Matt wins the event. He wins the hardest event in CrossFit history. Just taking it easy. Because he didn't have to. He was actually asked... Before the event, when, when the event was announced, he even asked, he's like, do I have to finish this? And they said, it, you'll be disqualified if you don't. So you do have to finish it. He didn't care about winning, but he won it. Just taking a, a stroll. It, 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 that was the most telling thing to me, that they could take it easy and still beat the competition. Tia finished third in that event, but again, at that point, it didn't matter. She had already won. She won first place. There was nothing anybody could do about it. She was up by hundreds of points. So they just packed it in. They come across the finish line together, holding hands, raising each other's hands in the air as the champions. I mean, it was like a Kodak moment. It was it was perfect. Great way to finish. Now, as far as the podiums, that was a little bit crazy. So you've got Samuel Kwan, who was the only person, there were two people to beat Matt Fraser during events. One was Samuel Quant, and the other was Jeffrey Adler. Two people who I didn't think had a chance to beat him at all clipped him. Now, I did say that Jeffrey Adler would win the CrossFit total. Let me let me backtrack. I said that he would win it, and he did. So I was right on that one. Um, <laughs> but just an incredible performance. Samuel Quant, nothing flashy. He was just consistent, 
and he ended up taking home second, like handily at the, at that point by the time he got to Atlanta. And then Justin Medeiros, the rookie, who I said was going to play second, he ended up finishing third, but he hit the podium as a rookie, just an amazing performance, and he's going to be around for a long time. My man Noah kind of let me down a little bit. Um, I thought he was going to do better. I think he pushed harder to try and win some things that maybe he shouldn't have. Who knows? Um, and then Jeffrey Adler. Uh, Jeffrey Adler actually finished fourth and Noah finished fifth. Great performance. I mean, they're still the five fittest guys in, in on earth. So no disrespect at all. Much respect for all of them. They, they came in there and they just crushed it. On the women's side, you got Tia, of course, winning first place. Second place, you got Katrin Davis Otter, who I had pegged for third. I said she would make third and she would make the podium um, because she's the sled dog and because she's just an incredible athlete and I have so much respect for her and I love everything Iceland. I think I've said that before. Um, so I thought she was going to finish third. She ended up finishing second. And um, an amazing job. She won the Spirit of the Games Award just because of her attitude the whole week and just how encouraging she was to everybody and how just awesome she was. And then in third place, as I said earlier, was Carrie Pierce, who just willed it into existence in the last work in the last workout. Came back. I had her pick fifth. I, again, like I said, I doubted her, but she she came back. She won fifth. Did an amazing job. And then Haley Adams finished fourth. It was very close. Had she passed Katrin or, or been able to hold on a little bit longer, she would have she would have not carry off the podium. I think it was only like 15 points separating her from the podium. An amazing job. She's 19 years old, just like Justin Medeiros. She's going to be around for a long time. And then finally rounded out with Brooke Wells, who I, I think had a very underwhelming performance for her. She had some flashes of brilliance. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's what's going to happen with her as far as her future in the sport. Um, again, no disrespect. They are all incredibly fit and amazing athletes. But uh, it just, I don't know. It, it just seemed like a different class at that point. So that's the CrossFit Games. I hope, I so hope it goes back to Madison next year. I hope this COVID thing lifts and we can get back to our regularly scheduled programming. That not to being said, that's not taking, that's not me not taking this seriously. Um, I know that lives have been lost due to this COVID, but I also know that a lot of people have survived this very easily. Some people that I know personally, because they have done little things like take care of themselves, eat the right things, do the right things and are safe about things. If you take care of your body, your body will take care of you no matter what tries to affect it. Now there's some things that, you know, things will just happen, but an illness like COVID perfectly preventable or, or they're able to be mitigated because of the risk. You can do things to help your body perform better. Now I I've said this the whole time. I think in January, I actually, think that I got COVID, but I had no idea because nobody was testing for COVID in January. It was, I was down two or three days back at it after that. I don't know. I was never tested. So I could have had it. I could just be making it up. I don't know. Um, but I never usually get sick and I got really sick for a couple days. It was really weird, but, um, you know, do things that are going to set you up for success. Do things for your body that are going to help you live a long and healthy life and be able to enjoy your friends, your family, 
and this life, you know, be able to go and do and experience things that, that you've never experienced before because you take care of yourself. All that to be said. I'm on my soapbox now. But I hope the CrossFit Games go back to Madison next year and we get off this COVID, this COVID thing and we get to do some really cool things in 2021 because, gosh, we need it after the year we've had this year. CrossFit Games, go check it out on YouTube. It's awesome. Events 1 through 12, amazing. Each and every one of them. Go check it out. And tell me what you thought. Tell was I way off base? You know, go on the uh, go on the old uh, Facebook, Instagram, comment, send me a message. Tell me I'm all wrong. Uh, but I thought it was an incredible experience, and definitely, given the circumstances of 2020, more than we could ever even think. We have come to the point in today's episode, which is quickly becoming my favorite part of almost every episode now, and I've only done this twice. This will be number two. And it is time for our worst case scenario. That's right. I'm going to open up the worst case scenario survival handbook. We're going to find a way to survive based on the worst case scenario. And today, we got a good one for you. It is how to survive if your parachute fails to open. Because, you know, you got all those skydivers out there. So we are going to have a good time with this one. This one will be fun. Now, I have personally been skydiving myself. Uh, went tandem. It was an amazing experience. Loved it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, my wife, not so excited about me doing that again. But if I get the chance to go, I definitely will try to go again. It's fun. So let's crank up the music. Let's get this thing started. How to survive if your parachute fails to open. Okay, here we go. Number one, as soon as you realize that your chute is bad, signal to a jumping companion, because always go with a buddy whose chute has not yet opened, that you are having a malfunction. Wave your arms and point to your chute. Because, you know, that's what I would be doing, flapping and pointing. When your companion, this is number two, and new best friend at this point, gets to you, hook your arms together with your buddy. Number three, once you are hooked together, the two of you will still be falling at a terminal velocity of only about 130 miles per hour. So... When your friend opens his chute, no big deal, there will be no way either of you will be able to hold on to one another normally because the G-forces will triple or quadruple your body weight. Take your body weight, times it by three or four, that's how heavy you would become at that point. To prepare for this problem, hook your arms into his chest strap or through the two sides of the front of his harness all the way up to your elbows and grab hold of your own strap. So you reach through his, grab yours, hold on tight, okay? Number four, here's where it gets fun. Open the chute. The chute opening shock will be severe. Now, you know, probably only enough to dislocate or break your arms. Fun? So much fun. Now we get to number five, and this will be fun with dislocated or broken arms. Steer the canopy. Your friend must now hold on to you with one arm while steering his canopy because your arms are broken. The part of the chute that controls direction and speed, that is your canopy. If your friend's canopy is slow and big, you may hit the grass or dirt slowly enough to break only a leg. Oh, good, you know. And your chances of survival are high. If his canopy is a fast one, however, your friend will have to steer to avoid hitting the ground too fast. You must also avoid, you know, power lines and other obstructions at all costs. Yeah, as if you didn't have enough to worry about. Number six, if there's a body of water nearby, head for that. 
Of course, once you hit the water, you'll have to tread with just your legs and hope that your partner is able to pull you out before your chute takes in water and you drown. How to prepare. So you check your chute before your jump. The good news is that today's parachutes are built to open. So even if you make a big mistake packing them, they tend to sort themselves out. The reserve chute, on the other hand, however, must be packed by a certified rigger and must be perfect as it is your last resort. Make sure that the parachute is folded in straight lines, that there are no twists, the slider is positioned correctly to keep the parachute from opening too fast, and that's all you need to know for how to survive the worst case scenario of if your parachute fails to open. So unlike the your favorite Saturday morning cartoons, you can't just you know take your shirt off or your pants off and fashion them into a parachute while you're while you're dropping. That'd be my go-to, but uh, we'll talk about that on another occasion. All right, so we learned how to survive our worst-case scenario of if your parachute doesn't open. Uh, funny story about me going skydiving. So I've only been once right and it was a friend of mine i think it was like i think it was his 40th birthday and got a whole bunch of guys together and we all went to go skydiving really cool place to go uh local here in in central florida uh shout out to skydive to land you guys are awesome so anyways the way that the way that this all went down is i'd obviously never been skydiving before so you know like anybody i was a little bit nervous and um so funny thing is, it was me, so there were five of us all together, but they couldn't send us all up in the same plane, and they had other people going in other planes and things like that. So they sent the first two guys, they went up, and, and, and they went. So while they're up and, and going, they're, they're getting us ready. So the whole time, I'm telling myself, okay, don't think too far. Don't think too far ahead. Um, just think about the next thing that you have to do. Don't freak out. And uh, so I, you know, we get there. I, you know, get out of the car. I go to the, go to the counter and I'm like, all right, sign this form. Okay, cool. Sign the form, sign the form. All right, watch this video. Okay. Watch the video. And I'm not thinking about the overall last thing, which is jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Like you hear everybody. Why would you do that? So we go, I watch this video. Okay, cool. Watch this video. It's a little, you know, safety training video of what to do and and things like that, but it's a tandem jump. So you're strapped to a certified jumper. So, I mean, Obviously, if I jump out and something goes wrong, I'm not going to be able to help myself. So I've got this guy. So we we go from there. You know, they go up. So we're up next. We're on deck. So they send us to this like like locker room sort of area, and they go, okay, you know, here, put this jumpsuit on. And in the meantime, it's me and these two other guys that are you know that are friends of mine, and we're talking back and forth and just you know kind of you know shooting the breeze and things like that and. These two guys, these these two instructors come in, and, and it's their instructors for, for my two friends, but my guy isn't there yet. I'm like, all right, no no big deal. And they're like, all right, you know, put this jumpsuit on. So, again, thinking next step ahead, one foot in front of the other. Okay, put the jumpsuit on. So I put this jumpsuit on. And um, so they're getting harnessed up, and they're getting all this stuff. And I'm like, I, I, you know, we're supposed to leave in like five minutes or so. Where is my guy? No lie door flings open and it was like a scene out of a movie okay this guy kicks this door in um walks in with a harness in his hand throws it 
like straight up throws it against the wall. He's like, I'm effing done. This is my last jump. Da, 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 da. And he is just, he is pissed. I'm like, holy crap. This is the guy I'm jumping with. Now, to like put a picture on this of, of you know, kind of what this guy looked like. We're about the same height. I'm, I'm about 5'10". So he's he about the same height as me. But he was easily in his 50s. And I'm talking like grizzled, like leather for, you know, leather for skin. Like this guy, like constantly would have a cigarette hanging out of his mouth even while jumping out of the plane. Like that type of guy. So if you're watching movies and things like that, like just think of like the most rugged, crazy looking guy that, um, you know, pretty much has seen everything. This is the guy that walks in. Super mad, throwing things talking about it's his last jump and i'm thinking what do you mean it's your last jump like you're not gonna pull the shoot like like what is going on here thinking i might be getting set up like this guy's you know just joking with me no dude was dead serious apparently what happened i find this out later is that one of my other friends he had jumped with so he was on the previous previous plane um one of my other friends like didn't lift his feet when he should have to to land and when they landed he, he like fell to the side and bent his hand like all the way back almost broke his wrist like it hurt him so he was superman so he comes in and he's like you know being really gruff and he's like all right here's your harness you know put this on da, 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 da. i'm putting this thing on and i'm just thinking don't piss this guy off he's like just yes sir yes sir yes sir I'm like well, you know what do i do so we go and you know we get this we get this thing rigged up and uh, so I've got the harness on again, one foot in front of the other. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit because this dude is, sounds kind of crazy. Um, so, you know, okay, walk out, go to the plane. Okay, walk out, go to the plane. Don't think about it. I'm the first person on the plane, which means I'm going to be the last person jumping off the plane. So me and this dude get in. And then, you know, my everybody else files in. You know, we got all the single people that are going by themselves on one side. They got all the tandems, which are me and my two buddies on the other side. And we're on this bench. I'm like, all right, get in the plane. So as we sit down, the guy kind of loosens up a little bit. He's like, hey, man, sorry about that. You know, had kind of a bad jump, the, the one before it. It's all good. In all honesty, this guy was the coolest guy ever. And like I said, he was the grizzled vet. So if there's anybody you want to be in a plane with... That you're about to jump out of. If anything ever was going to go wrong, this is the guy you want on your back. Because he probably could have just taken his shirt off, fashioned a parachute, and got us both to safety because he's jumped so many times. Ended up being super cool. But, you know, we're going and I'm, you know, kind of kind of feeling this thing out. We're in this little plane. Has a roll-up door at the end of it. But, you know, it's everything's closed up. So we go up. And the flight, like, we, we went up to 14,000 feet, which was a, a fairly decent height. Now, some of the things I thought would happen, you know, I thought, you know, kind of like a roller coaster, when you jump, stomach's going to, you know, go into your throat, you know, all those kind of feelings and things like that. It, it couldn't be further from the way it all went down. So we get up to the height. We're like, all right, you ready? I'm like, oh, I guess. I mean, there's not really anywhere I can go now. It's only one way down. So they roll up the door. I'm like, oh, man. They just opened the door on this plane. And immediately all the images of, of you know, airline flights when, like, there's a hole in the plane and everybody gets sucked out. Um, that's the first thing you think of. But at 14,000 feet, you're not high enough for that to happen. You don't need pressurized cabins or anything like that. 
So we're up there. They open this door. It's about to get real. Like, this is going to happen. There's, there's no getting out of this. So the single guys go and the camera guys and things like that, they go. And then my first buddy out. And we scoot up a little bit. And I mean, keep in mind, you got a guy strapped like on your back, essentially. Next guy goes, my next buddy goes, and we scoot up. He's like, all right, we're going to be next. I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess we're going. And again, just think about the next thing. Just scoot down the, scoot down the bench, scoot down the bench, scoot down the bench. Finally, we scooted as far down as we can go. We're right there at the door. He's like, okay, sit on the edge and uh, just kick your feet out of the, you know, just put your feet out of the door and wrap your feet underneath the plane. I mean, think about sitting on a park bench with just your feet hanging off the edge, but you're 14,000 feet in the air and on a plane, and you're looking out over the landscape. The weird thing about it is, you think, if you're afraid of heights, you'd be freaked out, but it's not like, you know, being up at a height, at a height where you can, where your brain can function in a way that's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall and this is going to be, you know, very fast. So I put my feet out, I'm sitting there and you have to grab your harness. So you basically you grab right at your chest and you grab your harness, you put your, you know, chin to the side and back, you know, so you don't headbutt him, headbutt the guy behind you. And he goes three, two, one, go. And he wants you to hold on to, you hold on to your own harness so that you're not, you know, grabbing the plane and, you know, trying to not fall in or not fall out. So I grab my harness three, two, one. And he just kind of just rolls forward and we're out of the plane. And no, you know, feeling like your stomach's going up into your throat. None of that. It was the coolest feeling in the world. Like you, you actually did feel like you're flying. Now you're falling at 130 miles an hour. You're not going slow. You can't hear anything. Like all you hear is wind. You just hear a dude is like right behind you. Can't hear him say anything because the wind is so fast your face is all scrunched up and looking all weird and funky and um so we're going down like i said 130 miles an hour you're going 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 he kind of taps you on the shoulder and you you know do the whole put your arms out thing and you know kind of turn to the right turn to the left and you know, kind of do all these things and um then he, you know you've got hand signals and things you know like taps you on the shoulder and you know kind of makes a, a little pull sign signifying that he's going to pull the chute and it was the craziest thing in the world because you don't feel like you're falling because the earth isn't actually coming at you at a fast rate of speed. Like if you were to jump off of a, you know, a, a roof, you know, like a one story roof or anything like that, where the, the ground just comes up, it all looks the same, but you're traveling, like I said, super fast towards the, hurtling towards the ground, but you're, you know, 13,000 feet. So he taps me on the shoulder. He's going to pull the chute, pulls the chute and everything goes absolutely silent. Like, crazy silent. Super weird silent. You know, you you go from all the sound, all the sound, all the sound. Like, imagine driving down the highway and sticking your head out the window and then double it. Because if you're going 65, double that. You're going 130 miles an hour, your face is all warped and, and scrunched up. To complete silence. And then, literally, he's like, hey, Wayne, what'd you think? Like, we're having a conversation I mean, he's, he's six inches from behind my ear. It's like, Hey, you know, what'd you think? You know, was it cool? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that was incredible. Granted, we're still like 
four or five thousand feet in the air. I, I guess I don't know exa- exactly at what point we you know we pulled. But he's like, here, grab this, and he hands me the the uh, the controls, and he's like, pull your right hand, pull with your right arm, pull the right arm, boom, we start going to the right. He's like, now pull the left. We go to the left, and we're kind of spinning around and doing all this sort of stuff and just flying around, and you just look at the whole countryside. You can see like lakes far off, and you see the runway, and you see that you know everywhere that you know that you just came from. Just so peaceful, so serene. Just the, you know, you hear a little bit of wind in the in the chute. Just super cool experience. We come down. We're kind of you know making our way down to the to the landing area. It's all marked off, so you can kind of see right where you need to go. He's like, all right, when we get down there, we're gonna get to the thing. I'm gonna tell you, put your feet up. Put your feet up. I'm gonna put my feet down, catch, and and we'll and we'll land. We go down. I'm at this point paying very close attention because I don't want to piss the guy off still. And um, we go down, pick my feet up, we land, boom, land on the butt, good to go. And he was, like I said, by the time we had gotten up there and done the whole thing, he was super cool. Wouldn't want to go with anybody else. This guy was awesome. So that is my skydiving experience. Thankfully, I didn't have a worst case scenario experience like like I just read from a, from our from our handbook, our trusty handbook. But super cool experience. Shout out once again to Skydive to Land. If you haven't been there or if you've never gone skydiving, try it. Like it is a bucket list item. And I guarantee you that there are very, 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 very few people who are hurt or injured from tandem jumping. Jump with a professional. And if you like it, you know, then go and get your own license and and do all that sort of stuff. My brother, uh, my, my little brother, who is also a, you know, uh, actually he just got out, but he's a uh, Marine, loves skydiving. He's certified and does it all, but I haven't gone with him yet. Maybe I will one day. But so that's my skydiving story. If you haven't done it, like I said, get out there, go do it, go try it out. And if you have, let me know your experience. Shoot it in on the uh, on the comments on the on the social media. I'm sure we'll be talking about it here soon. So as we're recording this, we are it's actually November 1st today. So we went through Halloween, man. Halloween was a trip this year. So normally what we would do is we'd take our kids out and we'd go out to all the different, um, like they have trunk or treats and, and things at restaurants and neighborhoods. And we'd have friends that would have these neighborhood block parties and all this sort of stuff. And with COVID and all that, it, it's just, it was, it's a weird year. Everything this year is weird. It still feels like March to me. I cannot believe that it's November 1st already. And we're almost done with the year. We're almost to 2021. Like we might make it. So Halloween. Halloween was fun this year. I don't normally get all dressed up. Like, I'm super lazy when it comes to doing any type of costumes or things like that. I I mean, let's be honest, I'm 40 years old. I'm a little past the age of, you know, getting dressed up and going trick-or-treating and doing that sort of thing. But I'll do it for my kids sometimes, and you know, and I'll do those things, you know, and, and go out and have fun. So anyways, this year, my kids had... Completely different ideas of as far as what they wanted to be. First, they wanted to all be like a, a theme. Then they they went all over the map. So, my oldest, my eleven year old, decided to be Wednesday Adams. Super super easy. Black wig, black dress. Super goth. Whatever. You can be moody. You can be a moody tween all you want and be Wednesday Adams. <laughs> then you had my seven year old daughter, who decided she wanted to be a pumpkin. 
again, whoo, we lucked out, super easy. Put your hair up in a little bun with a with a brown little thing to make it look like a stem. Orange shirt, little black face makeup, black skirt, black tights, good to go. Then you have my three-year-old son, who we found a Captain America costume. He wears that everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. And he's Captain America. Um, the youngest, we were going to put him in a tiger suit, but like this, this little tiger costume that we had, that was, that was the right size, but it was so hot that we just thought that would be child abuse. So he just went in a little gator shirt, like a, a Florida gator shirt, and just looked cute, as always, because he's four months old. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He doesn't even know about Halloween or anything like that. So we got years for that. But this year I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to dress up. Actually, it's because my wife's sister was having a party, um, and costumes were highly recommended, um, if not required, that me and my wife were dressing up, which we never dress up. So she went and she cut up a, a white shirt and did a skeleton type thing, which was awesome. She looked super good super good super hot i liked it it was it was awesome i can say that she's my wife um had the makeup and all sorts of things it looked looked awesome me i like lazy costumes so my lazy costume of the year was fat thor not the not the you know jack looking thor you know from ragnarok no fat thor from endgame so i got a bathrobe cut the sleeves off of it i, I put on a hoodie uh, a hoodie underneath it, pajama pants, Nike slides, and then I bought a wig, and I bought the Stormbreaker Axe off of Amazon. Super lazy. Super easy. I bought $1.89 gloves at, at Wawa and cut the fingers off of them. Worked perfect. And everybody loved it. It, it went over very well. <laughs> I was surprised at how well I pulled off the fat Thor thing. Actually, if you go on the Wex Appeal podcast Instagram, which if you haven't done that already, please go subscribe, follow, and do all those sorts of things. I got a picture on there of me coaching the 5 a.m. class at my gym dressed up as fat Thor. Also, oh, and I also walked around with a bottle in my hand. Um, I actually found a bottle of, it's called Viking Blood, and it's a bottle of honey-infused wine uh, or, or honey wine, I think it was called. Really good. Um, it actually tasted really good, but it looked legit with my costume. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. So I would just walk around with that bottle in my hand and my Stormbreaker axe with my wig, my beard, and my sunglasses. Good to go. The only downside is that Florida is notoriously hot during Halloween, and that costume was super hot. I was sweating, hair everywhere. It was a wreck, but it was a lot of fun. Um, my son, Captain America, would only refer to me as Fat Thor. Yes, you heard that right. Everywhere we went, he would not call me Daddy. He would call me Fat Thor. Not Fathor, Fat Thor. So when we're ready to go to the party, and, and actually this year we, we did a party instead of going neighborhoods. Um, a friend of ours, um, huge uh, shout out to Brad and Nikki, for uh, for hosting this said party. And it was a kids' welcome party, so all of us and our friends, we all got together. It was probably about 50, easily 50 of us between kids and, and adults. And we had a big party for the kids. 
had games and prizes and candy. They got so much candy. My wife and I, for the first time ever, decided to give our kids their candy bucket after, you know, they collected and they have like easily like three or four things of candy. And we told them, you have 45 minutes because they ask us all day, can I have a piece of candy? Can I have a piece of candy? And we don't usually like to let them eat a lot of sweets. They get a little crazy. So we decided that this year we're going to give them 45 minutes. You have 45 minutes. Here's your bucket of candy. Eat whatever you want. And their eyes got so big and they started just slamming candy. I mean, just smashing it. They had a trash can in front of them where they were just throwing all the wrappers because we told them if we found any wrappers on the floor, we would make them do burpees because that's what we do. So they just, I mean, just smashed for 45 minutes, this candy. And um, boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> I thought that maybe I've heard, I've heard that um, children with ADD, which is what my oldest daughter has, that when they have like caffeine, it actually has the adverse effect that it, it, it kind of, it actually calms them down as opposed to make them hyper. So I thought kind of the same thing with sugar. I'm like, well, if she eats all the sugar. Maybe she'll just calm down and not go into psycho mode. Oh no, no, no. Full on psycho mode from a sugar high, like crazy. She was all over the place. All of them were all over the place. Just the whole rest of the day. So that's a one-time thing. We're not doing that again. Maybe like, hey, you got 10 minutes. Here's some candy. Or here's five or six pieces or, you know, whatever. We're definitely spacing it out. So I don't know how you deal with candy in your house. But that's how we're going from now on. We're not giving them 45 minutes to just go hog wild. Just that's a mistake. Anyways. Now we have all this candy that we have to deal with. So they, so no, don't get me wrong. They smashed candy for 45 minutes and they still have buckets of candy. Also, we've had this, so there's this really cool thing that, that people have been doing this year, especially with, with the whole COVID thing, is that, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of you've been booed. Now, normally that would be a bad thing if you've been booed, but this, what you do is you get a bucket of candy or, or treats or games or like activities and you, you put it in this bucket, you put it in a Halloween bucket and you put it on somebody's door, you knock on the door and you run. Like you just leave it there and you try to get away without being, you know, caught or whatever. And it's called you've been booed. So it's trick or treating with social distancing. So you go to a friend's house, drop off a thing of candy and say you've been booed and they do the same thing to other people. And it's really cool. We got hit with like three or four of these things. And I've got three kids, so each one of them got something or or got one or we get a big bag for all three of them. So we got candy like all over the place and I'm trying to cut back, but dang, there's some good candy out there. And I mean, there's daddy tax. Got to keep up the fat Thor image. So I've been eating candy nonstop. I got to, I got to cut that down because it, it can get out of hand real quick. But man, Halloween was good this year. I, I was super happy with the way it went down. This is probably the way that we'll do it from now on is go over to a friend's house, hang out, have a big party with, with friends and family and, and, and just enjoy each other's company and then actually later on that night we got a babysitter and me and my wife went out just by ourselves went to uh to her sister's house and uh had a great time at that party so we lived it up a little bit for halloween maybe paid for it a little bit too much uh on sunday because we're super tired even though we got an extra hour of sleep we say we got an extra hour of sleep but the kids don't believe in that 
they don't know what that is, so they just wake up when they want to and rain down fire. But it, uh, you know, so you don't really truly extra get that extra hour of sleep, but you know, you do what you can. So that was our Halloween. It was fun. It was it was a good time. Um, and probably something we'll do from now on. Just kind of the the, the private deal. That's that's the way to go. So I I know I posted you know the picture of Fat Thor on the Instagram. So you know, like I said, go subscribe to Instagram or or follow me on on Instagram Wex Appeal Podcast on Instagram. Go to the Fat Thor picture. Tell me what you think about the costume, and tell me what you did. Or, you know, tag me in your story or whatever for, for Halloween. Let's 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 see what all's going on out there. Alright, so we're gonna end this podcast today, but I am recording this on November 1st. As you know, on November 3rd, we're gonna have a very big election. Something that oh I can't wait till it's over, but I'm kind of dreading what's going to happen because it's gonna be pandemonium no matter what side it goes. But I can't control what people do when they're elected, I can voice my opinions. I can, you know, vote the way that I feel is right by me. I can do all those things, but I can't control outcomes and overall outcomes and things that happen. One thing that I can't control, though, is how I respond and act towards other people. So I'm going to challenge you with the same thing. The only thing that you can actually really control is yourself. So be good to each other. In the words of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. I mean, just, we all want the same thing. We all want to be happy. We all want peace. It, like, we all, although we disagree on how we get there, we all want the same outcome. It sounds cliche to say, let's make America great again, because, you know, the whole MAGA and all that. But when it comes to the end of the day, that's all we want, is we want America to be great. We want our fellow neighbors to be great. We want to be great. We, like, we want to have good rapport with everybody. But too many times we let things that we can't control dictate how we treat other people. And that's just, just, just plain wrong. You can control yourself. You can control how you act. You can control how you respond. And if at the end of the day, none of that works. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Which is what my parents used to tell me all the time. So... Be nice to everybody. It's a, it's a rough go for all of us. We're all dealing with the pressures of a crazy election and what's going to happen with our country. But at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We all want a happy and safe and prosperous nation. And we all just want to get along. So you can control that. Maybe somebody doesn't want to get along with you, but you can control how you respond to them. Do it with kindness. Do it with grace. Do it with dignity. We will see you guys next week, regardless of how this all shakes out. And I am so looking forward to the next episode and the next big news that we have coming along the pipes. So, have a great week. We will see you next time around.